0: following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Today's topic, for at least a few minutes, um, and ostensibly, is uh, loving God with soul and strength. It's the second week of this two-part mini-series that we did on loving God the Jesus way, and it's based on this critical teaching, this crucial teaching of Jesus which is found in three of the four Gospels of the New Testament. And I will give you uh, the version from Luke ten, twenty-seven, 27, um, in which uh, this is actually the one of the three where Jesus doesn't say the words. He asks somebody else to say them, and he says, you've, you've said the right thing. The principle is the same, and the, <clears throat> the words are almost exactly the same in all three versions. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, And with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. This, coupled with the thing that comes after it, love your neighbor as yourself, is known as the Great Commandment. Uh, But as I hinted last week, this isn't a series on the Great Commandment, it's a series on loving God. And uh, actually, as it turns out, based on what happened in the message last week, and what's going to happen in the message today, it's not even really that. Um, But that's what happens sometimes. Not usually, but sometimes. That's what happens. Things get kind of... um, blowed up, (laughs) but it'll be fun. Um, In last week's message, I talked about how in in this um, short little sentence, there are three languages at play, and it's kind of important to sort of understand that at least a little bit. Um, There's the original Hebrew, which is what Jesus is quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. There's the Greek, uh, which is the language that the Gospels were written in. And, of course, there's English, which is how we read it in translation from the the Greek text. And we talked about also how in each of those three languages, the four words at play in this verse, heart, soul, strength, and mind, um, have different implications and meanings. So we really some fun stuff about how the Hebrews and the Greeks think differently about mind and heart, and how we think about mind and heart and all that stuff. Um, But while all that might be interesting... Uh, it's, it's really not necessary to understand all of it to get the point of the verse, which I think is clearly, simply, that we have to love God with everything. You know, I even quoted Dr. Seuss. Heart, soul, mind, strength, box, fox, train in the rain, etc., etc., right? So, because, and here's the kind of the long lead, because the point of the verse is that you have to love God with everything, Therefore, it's not important necessarily each time you look at the verse to go into and say, well, what does the Hebrew mean? What does the Greek mean? And how does that, how is that different from the English? That stuff is all interesting. But once you surrender to the fact that you have to love God with everything, you can sort of say, oh, all right, maybe I don't have to, to work quite so hard at the, at the textual considerations. Maybe I just need to think about what these four English words actually mean to me. Because, you know, by definition, that's part of everything. <laughs> does that make sense? So that was the, I uh, took like two-thirds of my time last week to do that. Um, So what happens with these four English words, I think, is interesting that you have these two pairings. Last week we talked about heart and mind and how it's sort of difficult sometimes to love God with both of those things because some of us are very rational thinking people and some of us are very like um, emotional feeling people and both of those things are okay and both of those things are important for us to um, embrace and live out especially as it concerns loving God. And the second pairing, which is today's topic, is soul and strength. So last week we went into some ancient language nerd stuff and this week, um, I'll go very quickly through some ancient culture nerdy stuff. Um, the early Christians were, were trying to explain Jesus to their culture, which is really what we are all still tasked with, isn't it? Um, but, but their culture was in many ways dominated by Greek categories, okay? And so the spread of Christianity and those who were spreading it met with certain types of opposition to the ideas contained in the Christian faith because they clashed with the prevailing culture, which is Greek. Greek philosophy, Greek literature, Greek culture. Does that sound familiar at all, that that the, the teachings of Christianity sometimes clash with the culture into which we are carrying it? It still happens today sometimes, right? One of the most troubling aspects for the Greeks about Christianity was the idea that God would reside in a human body. The Christian teaching known as the Incarnation, Jesus as fully God, becoming fully human, was like utterly incomprehensible to the, the Greek mindset and was, in some ways was, was a huge barrier to, to people kind of grasping and accepting the teachings of Christianity. Because Greek philosophy, and I'm by no means an expert in this area, so please don't ask me any further questions after this. I'm going to tell you everything I know. (laughs) Greek philosophy uh, wants very badly to separate the soul from the body. Okay. Um, The church condemned this teaching many different times from many different directions. It's known as Gnosticism. Um, Gnosticism is bigger than just that, but that's a huge part of the the Gnostic heresy G N O S T, etc. Gnosticism. Um, so the Christians who who were trying to teach that that God had become a man, a human being, and that that was really at the center of how everything started, tried to present that to a Greek culture which wants very much to keep soul and body separate, and 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 deity and divinity. And Holiness and all those all those spiritual matters are way up here, and our bodies are these like horrible empty shells. They're way down here, and you know you cannot put those things together. So that was the, that was one of the main oppositions of Greek culture to the Christian message. Now, um, as sometimes happens, Christians sort of tried to accommodate that cultural. Understanding as they presented the gospel. I don't think that they were just wishy washy. I don't, I like to give them the benefit of the doubt. I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt because I need it myself a lot. But I suspect that they were just thinking, well, okay, what's the big deal if we just sort of say, yeah, yeah, fine, whatever, Gnosticism, let's just, yeah, let's let that in the door a little bit, so long as they get the message of, of Jesus, right? That's what really matters. Well, the church said, no, that there's some really inherently wrong things about that way of thinking. And you can look through the history of the early church and see all the different ways they did that. Um, and uh, what, one of the things that also happened is that these, these uh, later gospels, later stories of Jesus, um, much later, like a couple centuries later were written to tell the stories of Jesus, but they were written back uh, they were written with that, that kind of prevailing philosophy kind of into them, So the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary, some of the Gnostic Gospels you may have heard of were rejected not just because they pale in comparison as historical documents, but also because they, they contradicted part of the core of Christian teaching. Anyway, all right. So, here's the point for today, at least for now. Um, even though this is an ancient Greek cultural problem, I actually think that it is still present today... Not so much as a problem outside the church, because um, outside the church, I think, increasingly is, is um, if not explicitly so, in, 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 for, for uh, practical purposes, fairly agnostic. In other words, meh, don't know, don't care. Right? So they're, they're not really affecting, necessarily, our ideas about God um, so much as they're not really interested in them. <clears throat> Which is a different setting than the Christians in the Greek culture had, but within the church, I think we have ourselves adopted, <coughs> excuse me, and continued to to um, allow to bleed into our thought and teaching the concepts of this Gnostic heresy, specifically that the body and the soul are separate from each other, and that's how we get to this. What makes this second second pairing interesting to me: soul and strength. Okay. Did I go really fast through all of that? No. Awesome. Because I hoped I did. Uh, I hope I have time for everything else. So there, um, you know, if uh, if you haven't figured out yet, I'm going to wrap this up very quickly and move on to something else. But I could have gone the whole sermon with, with this topic, and I originally intended to. But one of the things that would be interesting to think about is some of the consequences of of assuming that our souls are separate from our bodies and that they should not touch. We wouldn't have to think very hard about that, but it 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 comes out in a lot of different ways in uh, Christian subculture. Christian subculture is not um, not always uh, doesn't actually doesn't always think or speak positively about physical pleasure. I think some of, the, some of the hang-ups that Christians have about sex is not just um, applying biblical teaching, which is an important thing to do, but it's also, on top of that, kind of this idea that, oh no, our, our bodies aren't as special as our souls, and you need to, you know, if you want to preserve your soul, you have to be careful with what you do with your body, especially, you know, sorry, I had to take a drink there. I think a lot of the time, uh, we Christians tend to focus uh, ad infinitum, that means f- like for a long time, at, about the care of our souls to the utter neglect uh, of the care of our bodies. Um, not that you, you would explicitly say, I'm caring for my soul so I don't have time to care for my body, or I want to care for my soul and I don't care about my body. But given the choice... You know, if I asked you, what's the holier thing to do? Read your Bible every day or eat healthy every day? Everybody would say what? Read your Bible and go to Five Guys. Like, read your Bible at Five Guys. (laughs) Witness to the Fry Guys. (laughs) I think Christian culture tends sometimes in its worst, as it it approaches its worst uh, tendencies, to shame the body. Right? So, uh, you know, I've read some really kind of sad articles and blog posts over the past couple of months. It seems to have come up a bunch of times about um, particularly women who were shamed out of doing anything in church because they, you know, their skirt didn't reach their knees or their, their top didn't cover their shoulders or their elbows or their wrists, depending on which denomination they're part of, and that kind of thing. It's less of an issue for men. Um, but I think that that's, that, again, is one of the consequences of thinking soul, good, body, bad, okay? Um, if we had more time, we'd go deeper into that. I would ask you for your thoughts and reactions to that. I just simply wanted to, to fly through that so that I could sort of say I kind of finished the series, okay? So there, loving God the Jesus way didn't exactly come out the way I intended, but I think it came out fun and and good. And um, last week's message was was uh, ended up being really interesting. To, uh, I, how arrogant does that sound? That's not how I meant it. Um, it was interesting to me how it came out. Um, and so if you haven't heard it, you could go listen to that. And um, if you were really 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 excited about <laughs> these topics and I didn't quite land where I told you I would, I apologize. But something happened this week that made me decide to change directions with my sermon today. Um, it was nothing spiritual. Uh, It was just some news I received about a, you know, very physical, practical matter. That was a test, by the way. Spiritual material, huh? Also a segue. What I learned this week is that it is finally time, at long last, to knock down this wall. Oh, come on. (laughs) Guys... Please, settle down. <laughs> like, <Yay! laughs> um, if, if you don't speak artisan, woo means like, yeah! <laughs> right? We're a pretty reserved bunch. Um, so we've, as most of you know, we've expanded the sanctuary um, uh, and because we know that come fall, especially people will be back from vacation and students and all those things, we're going to overflow this room again. And so we've made it bigger, and we've waited and waited and waited, and it's finally time. Uh, Dan, our contractor, told me this week, it's time to put some insulation and drywall in there, and I can't really do it right with this wall, so could you please prepare to knock it down? Um, we're gonna, they're going to tear it down starting tomorrow, which is really cool and fun. But it gives me uh, the perfect opportunity to talk about a very important topic that I've been needing to talk to you all about for a couple of months now, and been waiting for the right time, and this is the right time. And what I want to do now is introduce to you um, something that that came up out of our leadership retreat uh, in May. Our a um, uh, little artisan inside baseball. Our ministry year starts June first, and so like with budget and all that. Boring stuff, but also with kind of the big ideas and concepts that we're going to talk about throughout the year, that sort of resets as we change from May to June. So we have a big retreat at the end of May with the, with the staff and the leadership team, and we talk and think and pray and plan the next 12 or 13 or 14 months. And um, one of the things we talked about at our retreat this year was that we've spent a lot of time and energy and money, and attention, thinking about our building over the past couple of years. Can anybody attest to that? Can I get an amen? We've been talking about this building a lot. Uh, and I, you know, we're not ashamed of that. I don't apologize for that. We, you know as well as I do that, that we think of this, this building as a means to an end, as, um, as important to the type of ministry that we think God has called us to do. Uh, we have um, we, we've approached the purchase of this building and the uh, addition, um, I think, in a way that's as conservative as we could, so that we what we're trying to do is set up our community for decades and maybe generations of of strong, healthy ministry that um, is not like gonna gonna bury us and all that kind of stuff. So I don't apologize for having talked about the building a lot, but we all agreed at this retreat that it was important that we as a community don't lose sight of a very important truth about what it means to be the church with a capital C. And that very important truth is this. The building, the structure, the walls, the floor, the ceilings, the roof, the very expensive shingles that went on the roof, Somebody else paid for those, thankfully. None of that stuff is the church. In fact, unless I slip, you will never hear me say, this place is the church. I'll never say, I'll meet you at the church. I say, I will meet you at the church building. That's an important theological decision that I've made, not to say that about the building, not to call the building the church. Because what is the church? We are the church. You are the church. The body of Christ is the human beings that make up our community. What? Okay. I would say it's church camp songs. Yes, there's probably one about this. I, they, church camp songs can be um, mind bogglingly specific sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are not the walls. Um, I don't know. It's probably an E minor. That's, oh uh, <laughs> uh, boy, I went to too many church camps. So the church is the body of Christ. So being the church is about so much more than what happens inside these walls. And so the leadership team and I decided that we wanted to spend this whole ministry year um, talking and thinking and praying and most important, most importantly, acting on what it means to live our faith beyond our walls. And so beyond our walls is this thematic thread that we are going to weave in and out of our life together for the next year or so. And uh, I, I've just been, I've been like waiting for the moment to, to really unveil this. We've hinted at it a couple of times, but, but now's the time to do this. So what we will do is... Um, Starting September fifteenth, we will have a uh, a kickoff series entitled "Beyond Our Walls," and in that series, we'll really articulate what it what it all means. Um, we will cover a, a, a bunch of topics. Actually, this series is not called "Beyond Our Walls." Um, it's called "Gardening in Babylon," which is something I'll have to wait to explain to you. Um, but we'll be talking about lots of things. We're talking about how we can love our city better, the city where we are kind of called to live. We're going to talk uh, about racial reconciliation. In other words, how do we live beyond the uh, kind of interpersonal um, and social walls that have been constructed. We're going to talk about uh, family life. Um, We'll talk about evangelism and discipleship. We'll talk about vocation. We'll talk about a lot of different things. Basically, anything that involves how you live out your faith when you're not in this building, that's what Beyond Our Walls is about. And it's so 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 important. I'm really excited for this next year, uh, and all the cool stuff we're gonna we're gonna talk about and learn together, uh, and and the ways we're gonna live it out. We we talked about some of it as a leadership team, but a lot of it is gonna be left up to to you to help us live out because um, after all, you are the church. All right. uh, next week we will have um, a prequel series, which is. Um, going to sort of try to set the stage a little bit for the big picture. The series will be called Reaching Out, and it's based on um, this book. Oh, look, I have one here by Henry Nowen, who's uh, really a wonderful, wonderful Christian author. If you've never read Henry Nowen, you get a chance to do it now because, oh, <coughs> I have ten of them. <laughs> woo Yeah, that again. So... Uh, This book uh, is called Reaching Out, The Three Movements of the Spiritual Life. And uh, the movements are, the first one is from loneliness to solitude. Um, The second one is from hostility to hospitality. And the third one is from illusion to prayer. Those three movements, uh, as you might have figured out if you caught it while I was talking fast, the first one is an inward movement. The second one is an outward movement, or, so you're reaching out to yourself, you're reaching out to your brothers and sisters and your neighbors and friends. And the third one is, uh, if you will, I don't like this necessarily, um, but you'd understand what I mean if I said an upward movement, reaching out to God. Those three movements um, of the spiritual life, as and presents them in this wonderful little book, uh, will be, a, I think, a perfect way to start thinking about what it means to get beyond ourselves, Okay? Now, there's two things I'll tell you about that. One is that we're going to read this book together as a community. You've seen this perhaps in the e-news and on our website and in the pre-roll announcements on the screen. Uh, I have ten copies here that you could get today, either for ten dollars or a promise to give us ten dollars. Or uh, I don't have ten dollars. Can I still have the book? Yes. Um, any one of those things is is the way to take a book home today. Uh, we are going to look ahead. We're going to look at part one of the the book, which is the, the uh, first movement from Loneliness to Solitude, next week, uh, right? And Autumn, um, Dr. Gallegos, uh, as we sometimes call her, no, we don't, but some people do. Autumn is going to uh, give the first message in this series next week, and then I'll give the second and third ones, and then in the fourth week we'll have a little discussion about it, how it's affected you and and uh, your thoughts about it and so forth. So, Um, you don't have to read the book to hear the messages, obviously, but it would be a better experience for you if you did, obviously. So, uh, 10 bucks, you can get it on Amazon. That's where I got it for 10 bucks. If you have Amazon Prime, it, uh, a total of 10 bucks. (laughs) Um, if you don't have Amazon Prime, I do, and I got 10 of them. How much are they? (laughs) Right. Right. Who's going to take one home today? And ten hands went up in the room, right? Yeah, they, they probably won't. They, they might have one copy at each of the big bookstores. That's how big bookstores tend to work. If you get it, then their inventory computer will order another one, but probably not for a while. You might have to do a special order. I would recommend taking one home today. And if we run out today, uh, I have Amazon Prime, and I will get one for you. And you can pick it up on Wednesday, okay? All right. Whew. So, yes sir, there's no Kindle version, what a joke, are you serious, wow, 486 used, you might be a while before you get it, but, oh, it's prime eligible, awesome, awesome, <laughs> I love the little prime eligible button on Amazon. I don't want to see anything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I don't think anybody's ever been in such a geeky church, Ken, <laughs> in the history of time. Um, so I guess there's no ebook version, which is a, a big blow. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't look into that. Um, anyway, if anybody would like to type it up, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody could OCR it, right? That would be fine. Anyhow, okay, what I need now. um, We're going to move away from reaching out for right now, but uh, there's some on this side. There's some on that side. Oops. Let's go back to thinking about beyond our walls, our thematic thread for the year. What I would like to have now is, Dan, can you be my first volunteer? All right, Dan. Dan. I asked a few people this morning for a stud finder. Dan is the only one who came through with one. Um, but, but somebody did come through with the joke. Matt said, uh, you might want to ask my wife. She found at least one stud. <laughs> and, then, and then said, sorry, I don't have one. It's like, there should be a rule. If you don't have a stud finder, you can't make the stud joke. That should be a rule. Uh, Anyhow, uh, Dana's going to mark out the studs on this wall for a reason which will become clear in a moment. I have other markers, though. What I would like to do is, who likes to write in big letters on the wall in permanent marker? Yes, yes, please. Um, There's five markers, (laughs) and everybody will get a chance. Who wants to? But uh, come, come get a marker. All right, so... Let's go with. uh, Can you just write write our theme a few times, like maybe two or three times here and, and once or twice over here? Just big letters beyond our walls. Yeah, yeah. You want one too? All right, cool. 16 inches on center. You want a ruler, Dan? Ish. i have a ruler if anybody wants one so that'd be better than the uh... all right that's right that's what i mean by big letters uh... the other thing that i need for it to happen here is um... anybody who has musical equipment along the back row of the the stage here um... it'd probably be in your best interest to move it forward about five or six feet um... so uh bass amp, probably, Um, any of that stuff, just just a little bit. Drums we don't care about because they're drums and, uh, oh man, thank you, thank you. Um, How do you know if the drummer's knocking on your door? Uh, He's got a pizza, yeah, you pay him and tell him to go away. Cool, look at that. Beyond our walls, all over the place. Now, uh, everybody, we're, we're not done here. We have to keep the marker because you maybe write some more stuff. Anybody else want to write something? Here's what I'd like to do next. Yes, you have a marker? I would like you to shout out something that's wonderful about, about having a building. Some memory you've had here or something that's really great about having this, this cool space. Weddings. weddings. Somebody write weddings on the wall or maybe more than one person if you want to. Right? What else is great about having, the, having this uh, wonderful building? Karate classes. Somebody, somebody writing this? Here, Sue. That's plenty far, thank you. Yeah, you were helping with that. If you don't have good handwriting or don't want to write, that's okay. Artisan prom. We did that right there, didn't we? Yeah. Baptisms. We've had some wonderful, wonderful baptisms great great moments in here what else sorry friends. friends our friends are here love it place to rehearse, place to rehearse. yep we've done some rehearsals and things financial in here peace. financial peace university fpu beer brewing, beer brewing. <laughs> bouncy house, bouncy house. <laughs> did jesse Bresky make you say that All right, Um, you can keep yelling those out, but also I'd like you to to yell out now, what are some potential pitfalls or drawbacks of of having a great building? Mortgage. Mortgage. Somebody keep, anything you hear, you can write it, because it doesn't, if it's written more than once, that's fine. Mortgage, what would you say? Weeds? (laughs) Yes, we've got plenty of those. Maintenance. Internally focused, Yes. Sprinkler systems, yes. (laughs) I almost just made a gesture at the ceiling, but I'm not going to do it. What did you say? Small sinks, sinks. okay. (laughs) You're right. Yeah, after potlucks. Somebody should have written potlucks on there, by the way, for good. Um, After potlucks, though, it's hard to wash them in a small sink. Birthday parties, another good thing we do in this building. Other challenges about... Having the space, I think Ellen maybe touched on on one that's an umbrella. We could say all kinds of different things about how having a building makes you inwardly focused, and sometimes it has to do with some of the other things like mortgages and and friends and uh, that kind of thing. So, thank you very much, writers. I think we're uh, I think you can be done writing if you wish if you have anything else at any point you can feel free to hop up and grab a marker and write on the wall isn't it fun to write in permanent marker on a wall yes. like someone's going to spank me ah! <laughs> you guys come on that's not what I meant <laughs> yes um, here's the thing In our building, good and bad, anything in between, everything that's represented up here in writing, everything that we've ever done in this building that we forgot to put up there, everything that we will do in this building for the next week, month, year, decade, hopefully lifetime. All of that. We want to do it in service of Jesus and His kingdom. We want it to be part of how we co-labor with Christ to bring about that perfect future reality and to pull it a little bit closer to us, just a little bit of it, into the present. We want this building to be a place where we encounter God Embrace people, engage culture in the way of Jesus. Part of that means coming into this space sometimes. So much of it has to be done beyond our walls. So, who would like to go first? <laughs> ah, I see Tim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, you, you give us our first sledgehammer prayer. <laughs> Dodge the X's. The X's are studs. <laughs> Tim's done this before. Anybody who wants to, you don't have to be a big brawny man like Tim. Uh, no, I, I couldn't. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Wow. <laughs> Somebody asked me, is Tim going to use his hands? I guess he is. Who who wants to go next with a a little sledgehammer prayer this morning? Come on. It's so much fun. Dan, all right. We have three sledgehammers. Listen. Wow, that's a good one. Body and soul. (laughs) Prayers can be spoken from the heart. Prayers can be spoken with the lips. Esther, that was badass. (laughs) Prayers can be spoken with heavy hammers and mallets. Yeah, Pat. All right. Does that not look fun? I'm telling you, it's fun. I did it. Somebody else, anybody else who wants to do this? I want to be banging through this wall. Yes, thank you. I want to be banging through this wall while we take communion, okay? This is called juxtaposition. <laughs> What's that? Yes, take, take the bread. <laughs> yes! Yeah. She hammered the weeds. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Keep keep that going, keep that going. And uh, let's take communion together, Um, responding in this beautiful tension between um, uh, recognizing and remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, taking his body into our own, reminding us. you can see through there's stuff on the other side if you've never been back there by the way go check it out um, after you throw your sledgehammer through the wall go look on the other side um, we, uh, we are the body here is the body so take and eat maybe food for your souls let's respond and continue to worship him I'm sorry that I messed up the stage band you'll make it work right I'm confident you'll make it work um, let's continue to worship him and let's continue to bust some holes through this wall uh, if you need prayer Uh, You're going to have to do it um, to the sound of sledgehammers swinging. All right? Um, Make your own sledgehammer prayer, and let's keep worshiping together. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.